Welcome to the Unapologetic Experience. I'm your host, Jarius, the Unapologetic Geek, and today I have a very, very special guest, someone I've uh, referred to on my page as the Unapologetic Wife, Brittany. Brittany, tell them what's up. Hi, guys. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> She's coming in all nice stuff. What y'all don't know is she just cussed me out because she told me, uh, I guess, my persona when I get ready to record. I don't know, maybe it's a little too strenuous and too stern. And then she was like, I'm acting funny and she didn't like me. So y'all didn't get to hear all that. Y'all gonna get sweet, Brittany. Whoopee. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I brought her in because, well, outside of her being my wife, she went with me to see the new Jordan Peele movie, Us. Uh, the movie was what it was. It's very divisive as far as, you know, the audience and their reaction to it. And we're just here to just talk about it and, you know, just give our impressions on it. So, with that being said, and we can just, you know, get into it, uh, my initial impression of the movie was it was dope. I thought that the pacing and everything was cool. I thought the, uh, I'm not going to say horror, I guess the thrilling part of it really hit. Uh, there were a lot of stressful moments in the film, uh, but it wasn't overbearing. And it's just, I mean, the story I thought was very well put together. And uh, a twist that came towards the end, which we'll get into, was very well done as well. Uh, Brittany, what did you think about it? I thought it was a good movie. A really good movie. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with it, y'all. I'm just messing with it. Anyway, Us follows uh, Adelaide, who was played by uh, Lupita, who's trying to overcome a traumatic um, childhood experience in which she went into like this mirror house or something like that. Where it said, you know, you can see your true self. And she runs into a small, smaller version. Well, no, actually, they were the same age at the time. So a doppelganger. And, you know, they play out this flashback and this traumatic experience several times throughout the film. But they don't really show you the, you know, full uh, essence of what happened. So uh, she and her family, they're the Wilson family, they come to... Uh, I guess somewhere in California, it was Santa, Santa, Santa Cruz. Clara, uh, Santa Cruz. It was Santa Cruz, California, and then they pulled up. Winston Duke plays uh, Gabriel, and I can't remember the other two. Her husband Gabriel. Yeah, her husband Gabriel, and then uh, they had two kids. One of them names Evan Alex. I think his name was Jason. I can't. I think the girl's name is something like Shakira or something to that effect. I don't have it in front of me right now. Yeah, I know. Whatever. Anyway, 
she uh, plays the daughter, who's like this track star. And so immediately when, you know, they get there, Adelaide is acting kind of weird. She doesn't want to go to the beach. And then she tells her husband, you know, that one night that she wants to leave and all of that. And the first thing that stood out to me, and my wife and I, we watch a lot of, we watch a lot of movies, period, but we watch a lot of horror movies. And her deal is whether I would believe her or not in a horror movie setting. So when I'm watching it and I see Gabriel basically says he doesn't believe his wife and believes she's overreacting to an entity coming after her, I'm like, oh, shit. That never would ride with Brittany. Brittany, you know, slapped me in the face or whatever, and then we had to get in the car and get out. But on the flip side, if she were to tell me that it was something haunting her, I'm not asking questions until we get back to the house. I don't care how far we got to drive. Like, I'm trusting my wife, and I'm like, I'm going to get out of there. But that was a problem for me in the film. As funny as the Gabriel character was, I didn't appreciate how green he was. Like, he is... It's like he was just, I'm not going to say, yeah, he was stupid. He, he, he was, was a comedic relief. Yeah, he was dead, but he was kind of, <laughs> he was just slow <laughs> at times. And then they disable him early in the movie. They crack his knee and whatever, and, and he's pretty much useless throughout the rest of it. But he was a comedic relief, uh, like my wife said. Um, And... Another cool thing was when you find out it's not just the Wilson family that's been duplicated. It's getting attacked by the doppelgangers. You find out that uh, her friends as well uh, were getting attacked. And pretty much the whole area of Santa Cruz was being attacked by these doppelgangers. And then you find out, you know, via a news report that it appears to be California as a whole that's getting attacked. And then later on you find out it's across the um, the United States. So the story the story is on this um in this crazy sequence where they go to uh the same mirror house. It's Adelaide, she gives chase to uh her alternate version, which is named Red. By the way, Lupita does a fantastic job throughout the course of this film. All of everyone does a great job. Uh, I thought even Alex was great as uh, Jason and as Pluto. Pluto was freaking creepy just the way he was moving around. And I kind of wondered if that was the kid actually doing the acting. And I found out later, yeah, it, it wasn't a stunt though, but he was actually doing those creature dog-like movements. Uh, but yeah, Lupita just really steals the show. I, I guess she's not stealing the show because she's a star. She she owns it. Somebody said something about an Oscar nomination. I don't know about all that. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, like, when I think Oscar nomination, I think somebody just acted their ass off. And I believe, like, it, it's one of those things where you're not sure if they can give a better performance of that. I know Lupita has some better performances yeah. than her, but she was she was really good. It shows some range. Yeah. But not, I don't think it was Oscar-worthy range. And being able to be... A, a hero in a horror movie and a villain in a horror movie, it does take range. Everybody can't do that. I can't see... Well, maybe Denzel could do it. Maybe. I don't know. But it's just some people you just don't see like that. Lupita really showed me something here. But uh, the big climax in the film is when uh, Adelaide goes after Red after Red has taken Jason uh, under the same mirror house where they first discovered each other. And that's when Red goes into her spiel that 
she's been she's a clone, and that uh, there were several other who well, the government uh, did an experiment and basically cloned just about everybody in the United States. The problem was there were two bodies, but only one soul. The government couldn't duplicate that. So when the government tried to use the people who were underground to um, basically control their counterparts above ground since they shared the same soul, they realized that, you know, having those life lessons actually being taught, actually growing up, gave the advantage to everyone above ground over everyone underground. So it's almost as though the people above ground were the ones that were in control. And the government, instead of killing them all, you know, the tunnels were so deep, they just left them all down there. Well, Red's character uh, being tethered to Adelaide, she goes and she, you know, Adelaide was a, a ballerina, and then one day she just started dancing, and she was so graceful. It's almost like all of the other, other clones who were burned intelligent took her on as a god. And she organized them and decided, hey, we're going to go above ground. We're going to make a demonstration. We're going to join hands all over the nation and make people see us, make the United States see us. And that's, you think that's how it ends with uh, Adelaide finally defeating um, Red in a fight and you get the big twist. The whole time, Adelaide was actually the clone and she switched spots with uh, the woman who, the real Adelaide, who, you know, would go on to become Red and took her down there and just left her. So, Basically, Red was never a clone. She was the original. And when I got to that twist, it 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 was a turn for me. Like at that point, I immediately felt bad for Red, and I I wanted Adelaide to lose. And in the end, the bad guy kind of wins in that way. And there's there's something that's really cool that Jordan Peele did. He does a good job of subverting expectations and kind of spinning ideas on his head. And he did a great job, you know, doing that. That's something I didn't see coming. So what did you think about that twist? Um, I, I guess I could say I kind of always felt it coming mm-hmm. in the beginning when she, uh, when Red and Adelaide, when they when they first met, well, not when they first met, but as adults, when they met and they sat face to face in the way that Red talked to her about how, she had Adelaide had everything Red wanted and the difference between them and um how she called uh Adelaide's husband her prince, but she called her husband Abraham. She just called him by his name. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, it it was it was deeper than just a clone. It was like yeah. it was something deeper there. Yeah, and that, and that makes sense. Like hindsight being twenty twenty, my wife she catches stuff a lot of times before I do. So hindsight being twenty twenty, and which is why I want to see the movie again. I want to catch those, you know, those tales and those little tiny bits that kind of reveal what's really going on. Uh, that was heartbreaking when you revisit that when she uh, when Red captured uh, Red in the wheel in the doppelganger Wilson family captured the real Wilson family. Uh, Red gives this speech and she's just talking about how how Adelaide got all of the great things and even though everything was great in her life, 
she was being torn apart. She was, you know, in some kind of severe pain. She had to go through things alone. Whereas L.A. had gone on developing these relationships with everyone on the surface, right down to their children. On the other side, Red was just getting with these people or just having this family because Adelaide was doing it. She didn't have that kind of connection. And I felt that that was just, it's really impactful. It's really sorrowful. And it makes you feel something. Even if you, you know, thought Red was just some psycho bitch. After you hear her go through that spiel and then later on find out that she's kind of the hero of this story, you really feel that. And uh, I guess that takes us into the next part of our discussion uh, is the messages. There were several messages. The one that I think of and just looking around social media and looking at different uh, think pieces that have been written because, my God, there are a ton of think pieces written on this movie at this point. Uh, It's classism. The fact that the clones kind of represented the uh, underprivileged and the impoverished and... Basically, everyone above had the, you know, benefit of going through a regular life, more or less, a better life than them, and uh, having their own life, whereas the underground people just had to mimic, you know, what they were doing. Uh, I think that was a a strong story to tell. Uh, And the biggest thing, and I read this in an article, I believe, I saw Charlamagne the God say it as well uh, on Breakfast Club, but... And saying the only thing that separates us and by us, I mean the underprivileged and the, you know, everyone who is privileged and the different classes is, I think it was chance and um, chance and privilege. Uh, having the opportunity to do something and then being set up in a situation where you don't necessarily have to be oppressed and you can make your own choices. That's the only thing that separates us. Uh, so that's one message I got. Um, and you and I, me and my wife and I were up to like 2 a.m. just talking about the different messages that we got. Uh, and just, you know, go over any other messages. We didn't get home until like 12. So we wasn't up for five hours talking about us. Uh, <laughs> it felt like five hours. It felt like five hours. That's all that matters. Uh, and one, another one that I had uh, was, and she and I was talking, I just, I was just spitballing here. Just kind of, you know, really thinking, I don't know if this was actually the case. This is actually how it was supposed to go. Uh, but I thought about the Internet as a whole. Think about everyone knows someone or maybe they are that person. You don't have to reveal yourself, of course. But we'll see someone's life that, you know, we see everything is good. And whatever our situation is and whatever we're going through, we'll find ourselves wanting what they want. And it's not necessarily, you know, we're jealous or just outright jealous so much as we're just like, if I had that same opportunity, here's what I would do with it. We may even call them stupid for even showing that kind of stuff off or assume that they don't know, you know, anything about struggle or whatever the case may be. Uh, Winston Duke's character is a good example of this because Gabriel is good friends with a, a Caucasian male. I can't remember his name right now, but he found himself in competition. Every time the other guy, you kind of got a sense that every time the other guy got something or every time Gabriel got something, the other guy would have something that's better. And then you got that sense that Gabriel was jealous or whatever. But on the flip side, when Gabriel is fighting his friend's doppelganger, his friend's doppelganger is kind of fucking with him. Like, 
it's not so much as he's trying to kill him. He's trying to just uh, come off like, hey, I'm better than you or whatever. And it's very well done. Uh, another message that I thought was great, uh, Adelaide's white friend, who is the the um, wife of the aforementioned Caucasian friend that Gabriel got into a fight with his doppelganger. White friend, when she has Adelaide pinned down, she has these scissors. And earlier in the movie, she said, you know, she's been getting like little subtle changes uh, to her face, you know, via different surgeries and Botox and stuff. And she kind of cuts, or oh, well, not she, not really cut, but she traces a line on Adelaide's face, and then she gets in the mirror and makes that same line, revealing to me that she wanted to be Adelaide, which that's something that we've seen regardless of color. But y'all read between the lines, y'all know where we've really seen it a lot. I mean, it's all over pop culture. Uh, you can even say the Kardashians and a lot of other people take from our culture and try to apply it on their own because they just want to be us or whatever. So that's another uh, hidden message that I saw that was uh, great. Uh, let's see. Togetherness. That was the other thing with the clones holding their hands all across the globe and making a demonstration and uh, basically saying, hey, we want to be seen. That was a, a strong uh, message that was conveyed, I believe. And even though it kind of leaves the movie on a hunting note, uh, it's just, it was it was powerful to see that, just see people, you know, hands held across the globe and I guess changing the world for better or for worse. I, I guess that, I know, like, seeing that, seeing it in like that, it just makes me wonder how the movie or like well that is how the movie ends but just i would like to know what happens next because you see so many people dead like the clones have killed everyone like when um the wilsons are out driving around everyone is dead people are in their cars dead so i just have to ask how many people are actually alive i feel like um, Adelaide was fighting so hard because she knew in the back of her mind mm-hmm. she knew what she had to go back to or in, in her children like that was the, the one thing that she said don't hurt my children Yeah, you know she knew what, what she had to go back to so I don't know if everyone else would have fought as hard as she did so I'm just wondering did the clones kill everyone you know like if they saw them did they kill did they kill them Another thing that's pointed out, uh, Adelaide comes to the conclusion that the clones know where they are because they're, they're the tethered. same and they've been they've been mimicking them so long. So, of course, they're going to still duplicate those same movements now that they're both on the surface. Which leads me to this. Uh, I noticed that when... Well, that it, whole family was dead. The Wilsons. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah they defeated uh-huh. their whole family. But getting to your point of uh, if the cones kill people, and I just thought of this, the guy who had Jeremiah eleven eleven on his head, mm-hmm. he was the first person. You remember how he was standing, mm-hmm. and uh, you had just saw that his body was sure loaded was. on the on the ambulance. Sure was. So he was the start of the line. That literally just came to me. Wow, I just thought about that. So does that mean that? And he did he have that red suit on? Yeah. When they were on the beach, because he, he was standing there he had a coat with on. the blood dripping. He had just killed him. Yep, he had just killed him. He had the coat on. So that leads me to this. 
And what my theory was outside of that, and I guess that kind of just confirmed it, were you supposed to get in line only after you Once they kill their, their clone. Doctor. And that's what I was thinking. But yeah. I guess what the reason that threw me is because the guy, the friend, after he killed the 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 friend, after the white guy, oh, yeah, after, they after killed he their whole killed family. his clone, yeah. remember he started messing with the uh, with Gabe. Yeah, and that was uh, something else. Now, and, and I kind of was unclear on it. What provokes them to attack someone who's not their clone. Because that family was Is just... a they, matter of them being in front of them or just like, are they just murderous clones? Yeah, because she was upstairs. The wife, she was upstairs. You know, she mm-hmm. had killed her clone, but she was upstairs yeah. doing her thing. Doing so I'm just, stuff. yeah, just wondering how, yeah. how that takes place. So maybe they did have a designated time that they always supposed to go there or something like that. Who knows? But Well, yeah. I know we talked about how the son would... We wanted to see how he knew that oh, that yeah. was that. How did he he come up? All right, so and that kind of ties into uh, my next point. Uh, thank you for getting me back on track because I lost my train of thought. So the the battle between Adelaide and Red, which was really intense, set to that um, very creepy version of "I Got Five on it. It was a good fight scene. Yeah, it's a very good fight scene, <laughs> and you see that. Uh, Red is doing like ballerina moves to evade all of Adelaide's uh, attacks. Dyson and Dyson. Or whatever. And yeah. And you know, Adelaide, they say Adelaide peaked at 14. She stopped doing it at that point. Which leads me to believe that Red kind of retained it. And she would, you know, keep on doing it. Because she was, she was just killing Adelaide as far as the movements and everything. Well, uh, Adelaide finally outsmarts Red. Stabs her in the heart. Or whatever, what they call it, a pick iron yeah. from a from a fireplace, and a or a fireplace tool set, and she kills her. And as she's down uh, in the beginning of the movie, um, young Adelaide starts whistling the Issy Bissy Spider, and then Red. Well, I guess in this case, Red started whistling Issy Bissy Spider, and then Adelaide heard it, and she started to do the same thing. So as Red is dying, she starts to try and whistle it. And then Adelaide wraps her shackles, because she's changed the entire movie, wraps her shackles around her neck and snaps her neck. And at that point, throughout the movie, all of the doppelgangers, when they wanted to communicate, except for Red, would do like this this groan or, or this roar type of deal. But then you hear Adelaide do that. And then she goes and finds her son in like this locker. And the son is freaked out because of what he heard. Now, I didn't catch that initially. I actually did some research afterwards. And because I like to, when you have a thought-provoking movie, I like to see different points of view. And he said that that's what tipped the son off. Uh, My wife and I were trying to figure it out. Because as they were riding off, we were trying to figure out, you know, where he got that from. Um, but did you have any any other thoughts? On I, I I thought that her I thought that um, Red whistling the East Beast Spider I thought that tipped him off. I thought the fact that when she started whistling in Adelaide, that's when she decided to choke her. Like yeah. she wanted to shut her up. Like you know, like she didn't want her because she whistled it good. You know, I felt like that tipped him off. I felt like. 
um, the noise that his mom let out, let out when once she killed her, the maniacal laugh that she let out, yeah, you know, and then listening to the story, because you got to think, you know, we really didn't know. I don't know where he actually was. He was in like a locker, yeah. but when she was standing in front of that board telling this story about what happened. He could have been out. He could have been yeah. listening, you know, yeah, listening to what was being said. And it just all sounds like the way that Red talks, it's like Adelaide took something from her. Yeah. Not like she was more privileged than her. It was like she took something from her. Right, and that's where the movie turns, too. And going back to my point about, you know, some people just want what other people had. On the surface, you're like, you know, you shouldn't be worried about that. But in this situation... Red had every right to be upset with Adelaide. And as Adelaide is driving uh, in, an, in an ambulance and driving away, she's basically telling, or, or she told her son beforehand, yo, everything is going to be okay. And as she's driving, the son is looking at her like, you know, are you really... Yeah. what I think you are. But and, when he got out the locker, he shook his head, no. Yeah. Remember, she had to convince him. Well, not so, convince him, but, you know, she had to tell him, like, I'm, it's me, you know. I'm I'm your mom, it's me. And the fact that she keeps saying that everything is going to be okay, despite the fact that the world has clearly changed and everybody has been exposed to this, um, these clones. Yes. <laughs> that ties back to something that I didn't think about later on. To... Basically, white America wanting to uh, forget about their history. This, it goes into why people say, why do you always bring up slavery? We're past it. Uh, and really, not even just white America. It's a lot of people who just want to forget their history. When It's like when she, when Red started whistling the Issy Bissy Spider, you could see in the, and that's a good Another uh, example of the great acting from Lupita, you saw it change Adelaide. You saw she just didn't want to revisit that song. She didn't want to hear it at all. She just went ahead and snapped her neck because she wanted to shed it up. And then for her to get up and say, yeah, everything is fine. We can move on from this. She and, and, said it was things were going to go back to to the way that they were yeah. before. Yeah, and, you know, she clearly was a person that had something to hide. And I thought that was a powerful message that there are people out there, if they could wipe black people's memory of slavery completely. They absolutely would take that that chance. It's like they they want to just move forward. And, and this is you know not people that are racist. No, actually, racist people don't want to erase it at all because they thought it was the greatest time period in uh, modern civiliz well in U.S. civilization history. But it's the people that actually you know aren't racist that. I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, that actually like black people that are the most ashamed of their history. And you have some that want to fight the good fight with us and want to take up for black people and help them out. But then you have others that are just like, why do we even have to talk about that? It makes their skin crawl. And that's because they're ashamed of it. And it goes back to, to what, um, Red's whole purpose was. She wanted to expose the shame of America to America. She wanted to expose what the the fact that the uh US government was doing experiments and cloning people without their knowledge of course and then just abandoning them. She wanted them to be ashamed and to put it at the forefront and have it be seen. The point wasn't for the clones to take over the planet or anything diabolical like that. 
my theory is the way this whole thing ends is they may just, you know, the U.S. government may call an order to go ahead and kill all of them. But the point is they've changed the world by coming together and demonstrating that, hey, we exist. What was, what did you want to add? I, I think it was a plan to take over the world because that's what they did. They They killed people. Like, if they came out to the surface and they just... You know, it was like just showing themselves or if they came and they lined up like that without being violent, mm -hmm. then I think I would say that they didn't want to take over the world. And then um, she read when she spoke, when she first came out, she talked about um, about people being ungrateful and yeah. about them having so much and not, I guess, using it to their advantage or you know, taking yeah, advantage of, yeah, of the different things that they had. Because I, I think when she was talking about um, how, I guess, Adelaide had to have a C-section and she she took, that's basically what she was that saying. That made me cringe and so hard. And she said that <laughs> she had all the help she can get, but Red said that she had to do it all on her own. And so, it, it you know, it was like, basically, like, I'm taking this. I'm mm -hmm. Y'all don't know what to do with it. I'm taking it from you. It was a hell of a plan. Like, it, it it was effective. She was a tactician. And the fact that all of the, of course, the obvious symbolism here is the Underground Railroad because the way that the, or what the government was uh, containing all of these clowns in were these abandoned or mysterious railroad systems and tunnels that, you know, nobody really knew what their purpose was, what that was the purpose, that they were... Um, you know, experimenting and yeah, and housing the clones. And another thing, and this is the last you know deeper message that I got, and I could be completely wrong, unless Jordan Peele you know comes out and says, and then I look like, hey, I might look a little deep, a little hotelish. <laughs> but anyway, no, never hotel. No, no, let's not do that. Um, there were classrooms inside of the tunnels where the clones were, and. What uh, Adelaide, not Adelaide, Red, Red said was U.S. government couldn't, I guess, couldn't get the clones to catch on fast enough, and they gave up. That, it, to me, is kind of going back to a problem with uh, the United States school systems and the imbalance with the education, the whole no child left behind thing. It's like they were trying to force their own curriculum or their own expectations on these clones, and these clones couldn't process it the way they wanted to. So they just basically abandoned them and said, okay, we're going to just you know let them learn how they learn, and that's just going to be it. And it, it was just the way those classrooms looked, they looked like an elementary classroom. It's just something that, that stood out to me. And I guess it I may I could be completely wrong on this, but it kind of looks like they were saying, yeah, this part of America is messed up too. And you're just forcing people who don't necessarily need to learn some of those things. You're forcing them to learn them. And then when it doesn't work out, you just say, okay, we got the test scores. We can just go ahead and get them out of the door. Uh, were there any other points or anything else that you thought of? It is so much. It's so much it's to take in. Yeah, it's so much to take in. And it's not, <clears throat> it's the kind of movie where, Everything that's on the it's not on everything that the movie is about is not on the surface, so it's one that you have to kind of pick apart. And you know, we might see it 
a different way, you know. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that, that you've said that I don't agree with and vice versa. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think we both can agree that it's a, a great movie. It's a movie that bears repeat viewings, not unlike uh, Get Out. I made the statement that I still like Get Out a little better. Uh, where were you with that? You just they were tit for tat. I think so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they were tit for tat. I can't say that Get Out um, is better because I guess my my reasoning is um, Get Out to me everything was right there in the beginning. Like yeah. Yeah, you really didn't have to think too hard about Get Out. With this one, you kind of got to think about it. And um, I, I think that they're on the same page. I definitely want to see us again though. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as far as Get Out, Jordan Peele really is concerned. Of Get Out is, I will agree, the more easily digestible one. But he still doesn't spoon feed you. That's something that I really like about uh, him as a director. He's not going to spoon feed you everything. He makes movies that you clearly have to go off and and think about and really figure out later on. Why do you say Get Out is more easily digestible? Because it's... It's kind of like you said. It's, everything it's is right, right there. there. Yeah, okay. it's, everything is right there. Like you're picking it up as it's happening. Okay. I never, at one point, looked at Get Out, and I mean, it was weird. Where but the hell I is never, going? I never said what the fuck is going on. <laughs> like I have on us. On us, I was like, what like, the fuck yeah, is going, on, going here? on? And so that's where just where they kind of differ. Um. Overall, when I did this spoiler-free review on uh, the Unapologetic Geek on Facebook, I gave it an Unapologetic Classic, which is that's off the scale. It's not a one through five. It just stands um, in a different category from the regular films that you know I review. Uh, so to me, it's a classic film. How do you feel? Like kind of the same way. It just is really good, and then the test of time is going to determine whether it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, the second one. The test time. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I get that. Um, but it's just something that, like I said, I can watch repeatedly, just over and over again. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, but it's time for us to get on up out of here. We got some food to eat. Oh, <laughs> I very much enjoyed you, just like I. Enjoy, I've enjoyed sharing the airways with you, just like I enjoy. I enjoy uh, sharing my life with you. I know it took me. It took me a while to get that out. Lord, yeah, because my mouth tired. Mm. No pause, Mm. pause. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, baby, Brittany, where can they find you? Oh, I am a professional cosmetologist. (laughs) Um, my Instagram is b the epitome. That's b e t h e e p i t o m e underscore mm-hmm. um it's the same thing at face on facebook just without the underscore that's be the epitome um i work out of jc salon i specialize in healthy hair but i also do color sewings quick weaves so holla mm-hmm. at me yeah so if you're in the uh north park area in ridgeland mississippi uh go hit up holla at her. see what she got going on of course Y'all know where to find me, or at least I hope you know where to find me by now. Uh, You can find me on Facebook at The Unapologetic Geek. You can find me on Instagram at The underscore unapologetic underscore geek. Now, before I get up out of here, big thing. Shout out to Reality Breach, the uh, organization (laughs) or the podcast network 
who uh, hosts my podcast and distribute them to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all of those. I really appreciate Captain of This Ship, Sergio, for you know taking me in and uh, giving me a chance to do my own thing. Also, shout out to uh, my new crew that I'm affiliated with, Black With No Chaser. That's a big deal. Uh, Leslie, who I do the off-topic podcast with, he's also a, a crew member over there. And Tyrus, who was on episode two, he's over there as well. I'm looking forward to collaborating with those guys. I'm looking forward to making some appearances on uh, Black With No Chaser Radio. I'm ready to get to work, and you know, it's going to be really dope. Uh, of course... Shout out to the maestro of my madness, Dunchy at Dunchy Did It. Check him out on SoundCloud at Dunchy Did It. Those beats, all the music that he's giving me is fire, and there's more to come. And until next time, I'm your host, Jarius, the Unapologetic Geek. I am out. <laughs>